Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I am very pleased today to have a good friend and good ally, Jamie Shepherds. Jamie and I met in what I'll call a master class with Tim Grover and Sherry Wink. And over the last 18 months, I've gotten had an opportunity to get to know Jamie, and she is absolutely terrific. Jamie, welcome to uh, Insights. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, listen, uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you do, and I, I I find it extremely fascinating, your path, so share a little bit about what you do. Well, I will just very briefly start. Right now, I am currently uh, working for my family's beer distribution business. It was something that my grandfather founded in 1950, a family-owned business still. And I've been here for about nine years, currently as the VP of administration. So doing basically everything that isn't sales-related for our company, HR, payroll, random craziness, you name it. I'm kind of the go-to person to handle the things that no one else wants to touch. Uh, but a couple years ago, I started making art, art jewelry in particular, and also some encaustic paintings. And two years ago, I decided that I would start formally selling them, and I formed a business and made an LLC and got all legal with everything with the government. And it's starting to it's starting to take off, and I have decided that my true calling at this point in my life is to walk away from the beer business and go all in on my art to see where I can grow that side of what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Wow. And the name of your company is J.L. Shepard's Jewelry. J.L. Shepard's Art. Yeah. J.L. Shepard's (laughs) Art. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, now you mentioned encaustic paintings. I am... I know what jewelry is, but can you explain what encaustic paintings? Yes, of course. So encaustic painting is actually a very um, old and ancient art form. Um, It is made out of primarily beeswax and damar resin, which comes from a tree. Uh, Some people might know it as rosin. Um, And it is melted down into a medium, but it's mostly a wax um, when it's all you know, comes together, it just appears like wax. And then pigment is added and you melt it and paint with it. So Hmm. it's a very uh, grown-up version of the art a lot of people did as children when they melted crayons. Wow. 
So what influenced you to, to get into this field? Uh, well, I've always been a creative person, um, a curious and creative person. I remember growing up, my mom always fostered creativity. Um, she was an art and fashion major herself. And she made efforts to make sure that my sister and I were exposed to the arts. Um, we got into dance class when we were very young, piano lessons that morphed over time. Um, we were always doing creative things around the house. And so, you know, the painting specifically, I had come across in 2016. I was uh, actually with a friend and I was going to see a theater show that was being performed in an art gallery. And before the show started, we were just browsing the, the various art that was on display. And I saw an encaustic painting for the first time. And I had no idea what it was. I pointed it out to my friend and she said, oh, that's encaustic. They're actually teaching a workshop here in a month or two. Let's sign up. Hmm. And so we did. And, you know, at that time, I didn't consider myself an artist at all. I thought it was just something fun to do for Saturday. And so I went in, like, with very little pressure on myself. In fact, I even remember saying when we were going around the room critiquing art, I was like, oh, well, I'm not a professional artist, or I'm not an artist like the rest of you, but here's what I did. And it turns out that I actually got some of the best feedback in that class because I most closely followed the instructor's prompts. And I also didn't have any pressure that I had been putting on myself because I was simply there to have fun. Yeah. And so that's really how I got started in, you know, in encaustic. And from there, I just kind of kept doing it. And here I am several years later selling paintings. <laughs> <laughs> well, your paintings are beautiful. You're they're absolutely amazing. So you you were working in the family beer distribution business on on a weekend, you take a a class and you start doing this art and you start recognizing, "Hey, I can, I'm doing pretty well at it." When did you know or when did you start Yeah, when did you know that you just we're getting called into this, getting called away from one and getting called into the other. So it, it kind of happened in two phases. I would say um, Christmas twenty, Christmas twenty twenty. Yeah, that's right. Because it's been about two years. Um, I made some jewelry for my friends. We did. We have a tradition of doing a handmade gift exchange, and I decided to make some jewelry and it wasn't even my own art at the time but I gave it away and one of the people I gave it to um, a friend said gee this would be really cool if it was actually your own art and you know at first I was a little taken aback I was like was that like a dig or was she just trying to help like I didn't really know how to take it but I tried to be as polite as possible but then like I was thinking about it and I was like you know she's right and I think I could sell this. So on a whim, I just decided to form an LLC and go for it. Um, and at that time, I had already been making paintings and for a couple of years, and I was starting to get to a point where I had more paintings than I had walls. And I had already gifted them to enough family and friends that I didn't think they wanted me to just keep gifting them these random paintings they hadn't picked out themselves. And so I thought, well, I'll just see if I can sell them. 
So that was about two years ago. And at that time, it was really just intended to be a fun little side project that, you know, gave me a little bit of a distraction from daily life at the beer distributor. Um, but then some things happened with the beer distributorship. I don't want to necessarily get into all the hairy details here, right? but my, my plans when I had come into this business were to take it over and one day run the company. And I had hit some roadblocks and those roadblocks caused me to do some very deep thinking. And I would say about six months after I formed that business, I started to just get really disillusioned with the, the family beer distributing business. Um, not for any one reason, but a kind of a combination of things. And I just really felt at that time I needed to go in all in on something that was my idea, something that I wanted to do. And I didn't care, you know, what it looked like. I didn't care if I was going to be, you know, stepping from a nice stable job into poverty. I just wanted a change. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of started laying the, the, the pieces for stepping away from that business. And I gave myself a long runway to do that because, um, you know, as, as a VP and an owner, kind of had a lot of things I was in charge of that I needed to unwind. And I didn't want to leave the business in a difficult position by walking away. So um, I kept it to myself for a while, then slowly told the other owners. And then it finally became more public earlier this year. But it was, it happened over time. It was really me wanting to go all in on myself was something that was my idea that I was passionate about that held my interest and that didn't have as much outside influence aside from you know the obvious of having to find customers that you connect with so yeah <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> it kind does. of feel like I went on for a while there but it really evolved over time well it, so so it it did take time and it just kind of as you had stated to me offline, it was also another component, the component of the fear of regret being stronger than the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that is um, a very big part of it as well. Um, I started to see myself growing with my art business. And I, as I learned more about how to run an art business and do all the things you need to do to run an art business, like social media and marketing and galleries and shows and all of this, um, I started to wonder if I could really do it. And while I was getting more interested in that and less interested in the beer business, I got to the point where I wanted to go all in, even if it ended up being a big disaster, because I wanted to know if I could actually do it if I put all of my focus and effort into it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by the fear of regret was much stronger than the fear of failure. I just, I came to this, this deep knowing that if I didn't at least try for a while with 100% of my focus, I would never know if I could actually do it or not. And so it, came to me that I was like, all right, I have to pull myself out of the spear business that honestly I'd never intended on getting into when I was growing up. Um, you know, my cousin who's the president of our company had recruited me in. And at the time I was 
eager for the challenge and excited by it. But, you know, after nine years and hitting some very significant roadblocks block that were a little out of my control, the my mood and attitude towards the whole thing changed. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I just, I needed to know if I could do it and support myself based on, you know, my creative output, my own creative business. And you are doing it. And if I, I, well, I am, I'm still doing it part time. I am getting ready in the very, very near future to walk away from my salaried position and be able to have all of my time for my art. So we'll see if I can, you know, cross the next hurdle from respectable sales to actually being able to support myself. Mm -hmm. But I won't know until I actually try it. Well, I'm going for it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so as you were looking at this and you're making some changes and you're looking at uh, making this change, what are some of the challenges that you faced when you started out? You set up the business, you set up the LLC, you get the paperwork taken care of, you know, that's, you know, you you get that done and and on your way. But what are some of the challenges that you faced when you first started out? Well, you know, I mean, you list all those things and that's very true. There are challenges there. Like, how do you connect all the technology to each other? Um, And I really just became really good friends with Google at that point Um, between the help sections of the various uh, technologies I was using in Google, I figured it out. And, you know, also my, my knowledge as, you know, being in charge of administration for a larger, more established business really helped me navigate certain things like tax laws and LLCs and things like that. But, um, you know, I think the, the big thing that is hard when you're starting out is finding people who are interested in what you're doing gaining awareness outside of your immediate circle of family and friends and you know honestly that is an ongoing challenge but I'm still you know kind of putting front and center as what I need to tackle Um, because I can't grow beyond a certain point without getting outside of the uh, the fish pool that I'm currently in I need to like find a bigger pond to swim in and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. moving to a bigger and bigger one so I would say that's my biggest challenge currently that and figuring out how to wear all of the hats successfully at the right time and then knowing when it's time to start getting more outside help in certain areas you know can I afford to get an accountant or a social media manager you know, when when can I cross that bridge and bring in outside help so I can free up my time to do more of the creative things? And that's honestly typical for anyone who's starting a business. I mean, you don't have the the money to hire a full team right from the start, mm-hmm. or at least in the way I'm doing it. Um, it's a little more of a, you know, self-funded way of doing things. I'm not going out to get a business loan. I am kind of starting small and then just growing um, more organically. So, Well, and that's good because you know, you, you will know when you need to bring someone else in and mm-hmm. you will know what the job that you're handing them to do or that you're recruiting them to do because you will have done it. 
up to that point. So right. that, I think that's I think that's important. Sometimes people grow too fast and they don't have command over what they're bringing someone in and before you know it they have employees but they they don't understand the workings of their business. And so yeah. You know, I think you're doing it at the right pace for for what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. One of the things you also said stated was that managing focuses is actually even more important than managing time. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So sometimes people say, you know, I need to spend a thousand hours practicing in order to achieve X goal. And it's not necessarily about how much time you put into something, but how effective that time is and whether you're spending that time wisely. And so, you know, I could spend all the time in the world say, revamping my website, but if that's not the most important thing to grow in my business at that time, then my focus is misdirected. Um, And I need to maybe focus on gaining an audience and doing more PR and marketing rather than shining up a website that is sufficient, maybe not perfect, but, you know, doing a good job. And that's not the thing holding me back. So, it's about using your time wisely and effectively. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that the managing focus is something that is often overlooked, and the time management is the shiny lure. I'll give an example. I've um, another example anyway. I've been following all of these other makers and artists on social media, and it's it helps me get ideas and study how they are running their business and how they are growing. And many of them also have programs where they will teach people how to run a successful art business. And I've purchased some of those. But, you know, it's not all about just taking the classes. It's about deciding, all right, well, which class do I need to take next? And am I better off taking a bunch of classes? Or am I better off taking one class And then focusing on implementing those things and really honing those skills before I move on to the next one. So it's, you know, focus and time. It's also similar to being strategic or just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. Giving yourself room to learn and grow at, at a pace that is manageable and then being able to use analytics and strategy along with that focus so that you're maximizing your opportunities. That's what I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a passion for something that uh, I find really fascinating, two parts to your art. One is color and the other is texture. And you and you stated that to me offline, that Color and texture are really important to you. Can you explain that right. further? And then how does that connect with moods or people connecting with your art, both color and texture? Sure. Well, you know, a lot of the like color you can link to the study of aesthetics. You know, how does something look? And, you know, I think a lot of anyone can experience this. I mean, we use color to signal mood 
and color can also create that mood for us. Like, think of the difference between going to a funeral where everyone's wearing black or going to a wedding where, you know, people are in white and bright colors and maybe some florals. Um, you know, there, there may be two events that both happen in a church and are those serious things celebrating, you know, a person or a family's life, but they have a very different meaning. And we use color to signal how we feel or how we're supposed to feel in those moments. Mm. Kind of in the same way, um, you know, when people see a rainbow, you can't help but just be happy. Mm -hmm. So all of those colors there and it just appears, you know, typically after a storm, not always, but, you know, and it's, it's a signal that, okay, it's, it's the hard part is passed and now it's time to be happy and thankful. And so that ties into emotion in that way for me, but also just, you know, the idea of seeing all of these bright colors together makes me feel happy. Why do I have to pick one? Why do I have to sit in this mold? I don't. I can, I can play with all of them at the same time. And then as far as texture, I just really find myself drawn to the facets of art and creating that are a little more tactile. Mm -hmm. um, I am not, you know, someone who will spend hours and hours and hours creating a very finely detailed two-dimensional pencil drawing or, you know, a flat oil painting. I like to be able to touch what I'm working on and feel it and manipulate it in ways that, you know, affect more of the senses than just your sight. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm drawn to texture. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of why I spend time with art is that it just, it makes me happy. and it also, you know, part of why it makes me happy is that it helps me find flow and keeps my focus on that item right there in the present moment and not on all of the other things that could be floating through my mind if I was a little more distracted. So, yeah. Well, your encaustic paintings really encapsulate that texture, that color, that vibrancy. On your website, you've got links to each area of your of your craft and the encaustic paintings are just beautiful i'm going to suggest Thank that you. people check and definitely go there and check check those out these are beautiful and one of my favorite are little ribbons you've got a section mm -hmm. titled little ribbons and i just love how how those look yeah so to describe those a little more for um the listeners those are little strips of silk ribbon, fabric straps really, and they are dipped in the encaustic wax and then shaped onto, um, they're called cradle boards. It's like a canvas, but it's all wood, so it's firm and not flexible. And so they're, they're draped onto that board with some height to them so that, and then the wax hardens and it looks like the fabric is just draped there in a very textural manner. And one of the things that inspired me to make those first few paintings with the ribbons is that one of the artistic things my mom got me in when I was younger was dance. And I I did ballet and I danced on point. And so those particular ribbon paintings, especially the ones that are in a more of a, a pink and a peach color palette, reminded me of the, the ribbons on my point shoes. So oh. it was a way to connect back to 
some happier moments of my childhood and some memories that really had a big influence on me that, you know, maybe at the time they were happening, I didn't know how they would affect me later in life. But now looking back, I can pick out the the lessons I learned from all of those ballet classes and the happy moments and memories. So I'm tying, I'm trying to tie those things into my art, the things that used to make me happy or that make me happy now and use it as a way to just express myself and tell my story. Oh, I love it. And, and again, little ribbons are, those pieces really jump out to me and they're just beautiful. Well, let me ask you this oh, question. You. Who's been the biggest influence in your life to this point, assisting you in your drawing, you're making art or bringing art to the forefront from these moments in the past, these things that connect you to these wonderful times that you've had. Who, as, a, as people or teachers or mentors, have been the biggest influence in your life that are also part of this movement moving you forward much like i can't pick a single color and i tell people my favorite color is rainbow i also have a hard time picking the biggest influence on my life so when you first asked me this question in preparation for our conversation i think i gave you i think it was five people and so i've already talked about my mom quite a bit and how she fostered you know my my creative mind and, and some of the other things I do, like sewing, gardening, and cooking, which again are more creative and, and practical things. But my dad also taught me by example of what it looks like to own and run a business. He ran the beer distributorship for many, many years. He's, he's still around as our, our chairman, a little less active day to day, but still very much there. And growing up, I would see how he would spend some time in his home office in the evening tinkering with spreadsheets and at at that point in time I didn't even know what he was doing other than dad is working but he also took time to spend dedicated focused time with the family where he set his side so looking back I can I can look at that and see like oh he focused on this and then he focused on the family and they were related and but he gave each thing the, the time and energy it deserved and required. My grandfather, the one who started the family business back in 1950, you know, I didn't know him as well as I wish I had, but the, the lore of him starting the beer distribution company out of his home as a one-man company, you know, he did have the support of his family, but he would drive his car to St. Louis. We live in central Missouri. It's where the business is. So, you know, two and a half hours. To the brewery, pick up beer and bring it back, and then sell it out of his car. And you know, the my grandmother and my aunts would answer the phone and take messages for him while he was out selling. And you know, it, that business really grew into something much larger now. That I mean, we have seventy employees. We serve five counties in Missouri, and so it's something that you know I'm really proud to be a part of turns out, you know, I'm not going to be carrying on his legacy by running this company, but I'm actually going like even further back to follow in his entrepreneurial footsteps and start my own business. So still very much influential. Another one was uh, Lisa Wolfsberger. She was my my first real ballet mistress. Mm. Um, I've had other teachers before and after her, 
So she was the one that left the biggest impression on me. She was a stickler for details, fundamental hard work. Um, she made sure we learned the history of what we were doing and, you know, the proper French spelling of all the ballet steps. And she really taught us in a way that was shaping us to be professional dancers had we decided we wanted to do that and, you know, left our home and gone to some of these other schools. But made an impression on me that, you know, that the details mattered and that hard work served a purpose other than torture. <laughs> um, and, and looking back, you know, her lessons really shaped me. And, and the other girls that were in class with me, I mean, they've all gone on to be very successful women in their own right, doing very different things across different industries. But I can look back and say, you know, everyone who stuck with her and stayed in that class for several years, like really knew how to apply themselves and achieve difficult things. And then of course you mentioned him in the in the introduction, but Tim Grover has been a much more recent influence. Um, being around a group of people who are driven like me and who, you know, value the difficult conversations to that are, that are needed to raise your level. Um, I can really point to Tim Grover for pulling that group of people together and then, you know, spending so much of his very valuable time imparting his wisdom to us. It's been invaluable. I couldn't even begin to put, you know, a, a value on that. I'm very appreciative of my um, opportunity to be just anywhere you know near his orbit amazing and and here's to say that you hear some there's family members there's people that are pouring into your life and that are influencing you and then there's the ballet teacher that at that particular time all of those lessons the tough love the hard work knowing your craft you know the, the dedication to 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 go into those things all of that comes back and is necessary for success moving forward. And mm -hmm. whether a person's on a stage, whether they make it to Hollywood or to Paris, here you are now reaching back using all of that, all of those lessons. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to change careers mid-life, mid but... I think the people who are going to be the most successful with doing that are the ones who can reach back and do all of the other things they've done up to that point and take the lessons. You know, just because I hit some roadblocks in the beer distribution business and my path through that company and through the industry didn't end where I thought it was going to when I first started down that road, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I didn't learn very valuable things that can be applied in other areas. So, you know, never, you know, it, it's kind of like saying never burn bridges, never throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, you can use all these cliched phrases, but it's just really important to be aware of your history and how it affects you moving forward and pull those lessons from it so that you're building on all of your experiences and not just randomly going down another path right no direction or guidance for them well that's one of those things that tim would say is 
but by doing that, doing what you're sharing, bringing those experiencing, you're, you're bringing all of you to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And you can't be successful without all of you. And that's, yes. that's what you're, you're sharing is part of these influences, part of these uh, talents, these skills that you have, you're bringing all of you to the next, to the next stage. And I think that's, that's why you're going to be successful and continue to be successful. Thank you. I mean, I'm bringing all of me, but I'm also making an effort to get back to like the root of who I am. I I feel like going down the the beer business path got me a little off course. And looking back, I can see, well, you know, maybe I wasn't successful because I wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't my path. I had to explore it and see what what lessons it taught me. But I was maybe never supposed to go down that path just because it was not the decision that ended up, you know, forming the rest of my career doesn't mean that I didn't pull a lot from that. No moment is wasted, whether or not it turns out how you expected it to or not. And I'm going into my next stage of my career as a self-employed artist with that same mindset. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. I can pivot. I can tweak it. Or, you know, maybe I find myself back working in an office somewhere for for another person that doesn't mean I was a failure but I'm sure that you know in my time being an entrepreneur and self-employed as an artist teach me something that I can take to the next stage of my life if there is another next stage after being an artist Mm -hmm. absolutely and you know we're made up of stages I mean even if you're an artist you continue to grow, you continue to blossom, you continue to expand, you continue to explore. And it's important to have those lessons, learn from those lessons, and then take those lessons with us to the next to the next stage, as you call it. Well, let me ask you this question. Is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't covered today? We've gone over a lot, and I want to make sure that uh, people have an opportunity to reach out to you and do your website and connect and be able to take a look at Little Ribbons, Happiness and Gold, all of your beautiful encaustic paintings and jewelry. But is there anything that you'd like to share that we haven't covered yet? Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to put it in some show notes somewhere, but just so people have my you know, my website and a way to reach me, it's jlshoppersart.com, and that's S-C-H-E-P-P-E-R-S. And the same handle on Instagram and Facebook, uh, JL Shepherd's Art. I would love for people to come check me out. And if something I'm doing resonates, then, you know, follow along and see where I go. So I have to get that little plug out of the way. Absolutely. But, you know, one of the, the things that I want to say is, you know, at the same time where I just finished talking about, you know, how you take different parts of your history and you build on them. On the flip side of that, approaching new things with a beginner's mind is also very important because I might be bringing some knowledge in with me from other things I've done in my life, but I've never been a self-employed artist before. So I have a lot of gaps in the knowledge that it takes to do that successfully. And so I'm always aware of that. And I, I, I value having a beginner's mind for, for a couple reasons. The first one is that it relieves a little bit of pressure because I'm not supposed to know everything yet because I'm just starting. 
So that lightens the pressure a little bit and provides freedom to explore and learn and not get all caught up in mistakes I might make because I know I'm going to make them as a beginner. But it also, it just keeps me open to absorbing those new ideas. If you think you already know everything, you're much less receptive to learning new things. And that's a dangerous thing for growth. It yes. will stifle growth like none other. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things I learned. I mean, I kind of knew this before, but my time with Tim Grover really solidified that and gave some examples. If, if there's anyone here listening that isn't familiar with Tim Grover, he coached Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, like all of these great professional athletes that are renowned for what they have done. And they all had coaches. They all had something to learn from others. And they had the mindset that they still needed outside help, no matter how great they are. And I want to, you know, be clear that that is just as important as building on your prior successes and bringing all of you to the table. I hope that makes sense putting those two things together, but I think that really is the key towards the key to success in really anything. Absolutely. And everybody who is successful has a coach. They just may not tell you. I agree. Yeah. So. They have a coach or someone they're emulating, whether or not they have a formal relationship with that person, but we all learn from others constantly, whether we recognize it and admit it or not. Well, here's something for people to ponder as they go to your website at jlsheppersart.com. You can exist without art, but you can't live without art. And the same can be said for friends and for allies. And Jamie, I want to thank you because being with you over the last 18 months in that group with Tim Grover, you have taught me so many things. And I've taken notes on your skill set of your, you're very analytical, you're able to get to the point of the problem, and yet at the same time, you're able to expand yourself, you're able to see connections, and you're able to really put into practice the things that we've talked about, which is maybe going back to your roots, pulling all of those teachers and mentors and influencers with you, but life is for living and you're moving forward. And I truly, truly appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you. Um, you are, you've always been such a uh, wise and warm contribution to the, the group of allies that we've both been so lucky to be a part of and I, I value your input always so thank you Paul. Well thank you and I want to encourage everyone to go to jlsheppersart.com check out jlsheppersart on Instagram and on Facebook I know that you'll be inspired by what you see. Thank you for listening and until next time this is Paul Ellis reminding you to invest in what you love.